gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing word of God. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's my privilege again to be here. I was here just um, a few months ago. And it's my joy to come back again. May the Lord honor his name as we look at his word together. Praise the Lord. It's my joy, my very great joy, to be here in Aberdeen again. Um, the last time I was here, I enjoyed so much the worship led by the choir, and I was really blessed again today. It's just that when Brother David was jumping and asking everyone to jump, I said to myself, I wish I could jump like him. And he says, God can do all things. I said, this is one thing I'm not sure God can do right now. Um, to jump the way David jumps. Um, but it's a privilege to be here. I bless God for the chance to share his word with us this morning. Let us say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so very much. We really appreciate, Lord, the opportunity we have to look at your word this beautiful Sunday morning here at the Fountain of Love, and how we pray, Lord, that you will bless each one of us in very clear ways. Bless each one of us. Speak to our hearts in such a way that we can understand you very clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. The sermon this morning has four parts. Um, there'll be an introduction, which is part one. Part two, I'll be looking at seven ways to handle the inevitable. Seven ways to handle the inevitable. That's my topic this morning. Handling the inevitable. And I encourage you to write down as we proceed. The third part, we'll be looking at some simple conclusions. And by the grace of God, we shall end with a session of prayer. All this I will attempt to do within the time I've been given. So, an introduction. There are two passions in my life, and I believe these are passions in the heart of God. The first is a passion for Jesus himself. A deep cry, a deep cry for Jesus himself. Not for ministry, not for preaching, not for service. 
just a deep cry for knowing, loving, serving Jesus himself. I believe there's no greater desire God has for you but that we grow in this unquenchable journey of loving and serving Jesus. Talking about David, the Bible says, and David, who was a man after God's heart, having served his generation, he died, isn't it? But It didn't start with David serving his generation. It started with David, a man what? After God's heart. Now, this is an intro to where I'm going to. Because unless we have this consuming fire, this consuming passion, this consuming drive, the heart of Jesus everything else doesn't matter friends I really want to say everything else doesn't matter your beauty your job your position your family your ministry everything doesn't matter nothing matters David a man after God's heart and that's my most Desperate cry, Lord, help my heart long for you. Help my heart chase after you. There is a generation of people that are called God chasers. God chasers. They chase after God. It was Wesley who was in a room with some friends and When he thought everybody had slept in the middle of the night, he crawled out of bed and knelt down on the floor. And he did not know one of his roommates was awake. And all night he had only one prayer. God, I want you. I want you. I want more of you. He was whispering it so he doesn't wake anyone. He cried it all night. And just before dawn, so that his friends don't see what he did, he woke up and then went into the bed as though he had been sleeping all night. A consuming cry for God. May that be your cry in the name of Jesus. But the second cry or passion in my heart, and I believe it's in the heart of God, is to live at peace with all men. To be a man of peace. The Bible says, as much as it lies within your power, what should you do? Be at peace. There's so much conflict. There's so much division. There's so much pain from human relationships. And so when Brother David was leading us in the prayer and was talking about healing, one area the church desperately needs healing is in our relationships. We come to church, we're all looking nice, all well-dressed, smiling, God bless you, God bless you. 
But deep within our broken vessels, hurting hearts, hurting marriages, hurting relationships, pain from all types of opposition, from all types of places. Now, in this introduction, I want to say that if we don't get point number two right, we can't get point number one right. And if you don't get point number one right, you can't get point number two right. They are both connected. Are you with me, church? A man desperate for God will be desperate to live at peace with all men. A man desperate to live at peace with all men will honestly grow in his passion and love for God. They're interconnected. And so, my topic, seven or ways handling the inevitable. What is the inevitable? The inevitable is conflict. And that's why my topic is how do we handle now, first of all, I want to say that in my younger years, I used to think that if only I can be just holy and spiritual, I will never have conflict. But with growth and maturity, I've realized that the inevitable in life is what? Is conflict. Conflict is not something special to any group of people. It's like the air you breathe. It is everywhere. You don't look for it, it looks for you. So how do we handle conflict? Part two. Seven ways to handle the inevitable. I'm taking my text from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, from verse 1 to verse 15. Now, I will not read the whole passage, but you know the story of when the Hellenists came and they were complaining that their widows were not getting the right distribution of food, and there was a lot of issues around that, and they appointed some people to manage that project, Stephen being one of them. And then the story continues with Stephen. So Acts chapter 6, I read from verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Can you go with me to, um, go down to verse 9. It says, Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. Point number one. Conflict is inevitable. 
But there are two types of conflict. There is conflict from a good heart and conflict from a bad heart. Are you with me? Conflict is inevitable. Please don't pray that conflict will not come. There are some prayers God does not answer. Conflict will come. What we need is discernment on the type of conflict you are facing. In the first conflict with the Hellenists, they did not have a problem that was evil. They just needed a solution. Is somebody with me? There are some kinds of opposition you will face you must not take it personally. They are only trying to sort out an issue. Look beyond how the person spoke. Look beyond how he squeezed his face. Look beyond his mannerisms and be asking, is this person trying to solve a genuine problem? You know, any system that doesn't grow is actually dying. And the way to keep a system growing is by some people always noticing what can be done better. And so when people begin to point out things that could be wrong in your life, in your system, in your program, don't take it personal. God may be sending people to help you grow. Is somebody following me? I wish I had more time to unpack some of these things. I'm looking at this clock here and it's intimidating me. Separate when someone is bringing an opposition with a genuine concern. He's not attacking you. He may look like he's attacking you, but you need spiritual discernment to recognize when this voice is actually bringing good. Now, that's different from verse 9. In verse 9, the synagogue of the freedmen, they came and fought Stephen out of envy. So, there are two types of conflict, isn't it? That which comes from a good motivation, which needs to improve your system, which you need to embrace, you need to accept, you need to listen carefully and don't fight back. But there are those that come with envy. You need to discern the difference. May the Lord give us discernment in the name of Jesus. Point number two. Don't try to solve all the problems by yourself. One of the reasons why conflict multiplies is when you think you are the only one to solve all conflicts. Sometimes God does not expect us to solve the conflicts that come our way. Verse 2 and verse 3, 
Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Of course, it goes now and mentions the people that they chose. Stephen was among them. Philip was among them. Full of the Holy Spirit, they prayed for them, laid hands on them, and released them. Do you know, if the apostles had taken it personally, you Greeks are attacking we Jews, right? And they wanted to respond personally, they would have messed things up. Brethren, not every problem is for you to solve. You need to learn when to allow other people solve your problems. Do you know that one person that we must allow solve some problem is called Mr. Time? Sometimes allow time to do what? To solve an issue. It's not every conflict you need to jump on board and start talking about and try to get involved and try to solve. If you do that, you will mess up the pie. And those of you who are leaders, please learn to delegate. And if you are like me, I am a man of detail. I love detail. I love detail. People that love detail need people they can delegate to who also are capable. Otherwise, the problem comes back. So learn to delegate. Mommies, delegate things in the house. Daddies, delegate things. And you know, when you delegate, the person may not do it exactly like you do. Let them do it. Sometimes you delegate and yet, like they say in Nigeria, you give somebody the goat but you hold the rope. When you release, release. Hallelujah. When they ask this group of people to handle the problem, they never went back to them saying, bro, how is it? Did you do this? Did you do that? They let them run it. May we learn to delegate properly. Including time. When you, you realize this is not something God wants you to handle, give it over to the Lord. Step back and let time heal. Hallelujah. Don't keep checking. Release it. Once you've released something to a group of people, let them do their work. Number three. Keep your eyes on the big picture of God's priority for your life. Verse 4, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer 
and the ministry of the word. Now, the apostles realized that when heaven looked at them, heaven's focus was that they keep focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, it did not diminish the importance of the distribution to widows. That was important. But imagine the apostles concentrating on distributing food to widows. What's what's the big picture in your life? If God wakes you up in the middle of the night, do you know what that is? Friends, listen to me. If you don't know what is the big picture of your life, you will keep running around small things. You will be serving widows' food when you should be changing nations. Some of you here in Aberdeen, you are so comfortable in the lifestyle, you've missed the big picture. And if you miss the big picture, there's one word that summarizes such a life. It's called vanity. Chasing shadows. Busy. Busy. Very busy. But busy outside of heaven's program for your life. Don't let conflict, opposition, And little problems distract you from God's priority for your life. God has a priority. Sometimes those conflicts are just to distract you. Are you hearing me? And you begin to chase those small things. You begin to run around the little foxes. Let someone chase those little foxes. I've been here for a few days, and my dear brother Femi has been um, very helpful. I call him my personal assistant in Aberdeen. The last time I was here, he did the same thing. Pick me up, bring me to the hotel, take me back, bring this, do that. Very helpful. Now, I was totally dependent on Femi. The priority of Femi for those few days I've been around, is make sure this guest is well taken care of. Isn't it? He gets his food at the right time. The hotel bills are paid. You know, I get to come to the church at the right time. He, he was, he has been so helpful. Now, imagine Femi. Now, don't misunderstand me. Femi, are you here? I'm using you as an example. Now, Femi has a lovely wife with a pair of twins, Right? Beautiful, wonderful family. Now, Pastor Chris, before he traveled, said, make sure this man has food. Now, Femi, on that day, suddenly had to carry baby. And then as he was dancing with baby, smiling with baby, enjoying the beauty of his twins, he forgot his guest has not eaten. Now, that's not what happened. He made sure I ate all through. Before you report him to Pastor Chris. For this week, no matter what else he had on his plate, there was a priority. 
Do you know your priorities? You must keep your eyes on what? On your priorities. Otherwise, something can happen and you forget what God expects of you. Conflict can be a distraction. Number four. Don't blame yourself for conflict. Now, sometimes, of course, you need to blame yourself, right? But the way we have been wired is we tend to blame ourselves more than is reasonable. Verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith, full of power, did great wonders and signs among the people, right? But verse 9 now talks about the conflict that came. Your spirituality will not remove conflict. In fact, on the contrary, the more spiritual you are, the more likely you'll get more conflict. The more you hunger for God, the more the arrows will come after you. The more you thirst for the presence of God, the more you may discover envy all around you. So don't think, if I can only be more spiritual, I won't have conflict. If I can only be more holy, I won't have conflict. The more holy you are, actually the more conflict you are likely going to face. Praise the name of the Lord. Stephen was full of faith, full of power, doing signs and wonders, and yet conflict came. So please, when conflict comes... Even if you have done nothing wrong, encourage yourself. Hallelujah. Listen, I have learned to encourage myself, brethren. Even though I seek for peace with all my heart, I, I bend over backwards to please people. I, I don't know how to live in hostility. I don't know how to live in a bad relationship. It kills my spirit. My wife says, I am oversensitive. If I just look at your face and it's looking one kind, I want to find out, am I the problem? It may just be that you have a tummy ache. It has nothing to do with me, but I want to make sure it's not me. I say, bro, is there anything? Have I offended you? Look, I start to apologize without knowing the problem. But no matter how spiritual you are, there are some people, like the synagogue of the freedmen, when they aim at you, with all your Holy Spirit power, they will get you. Please be ready for them. They will come. Sorry this message does not sound very spiritual. But I realized that the ache and pain caused by so much conflict is killing the church. 
And that's why the, the last part of this sermon, I would love to pray for some people. And I'm asking the Lord to heal our hearts. Point number five is in verse 10. It says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Did you see that? No matter the level of venom, anger, envy, no matter the conflict, only respond by the spirit and only respond by the wisdom of God. Point number five, never respond to conflict in the flesh. Number six, never respond to conflict, how? In the flesh. Um, in my list, that's number five. Only rest, never respond to conflict, what? In the flesh. That means no matter what people do, refuse the invitation to respond in the same coin. Did somebody hear me? The provocation is designed to make you respond in the same kind. And the moment you leave the wisdom of God, you leave the spirit of God, you leave the power of God, you become a normal human being. You have lost power to bring change. May you never respond in the flesh. The only reason why God will step away from your situation is when you begin to respond in the flesh. But do you know, in the heat of conflict, sometimes God says, be quiet. I was in a meeting once, and some people were surrounding me, and they were saying some very horrible things about me. Very painful, very hurtful. And I wanted to speak. And the Spirit said, be quiet. Quietness is a discipline. The human nature wants to defend. The human nature wants to explain. The human nature wants to justify. You think I'm a fool? That's what your heart tells you. You think I'm a fool? You think I don't know how to speak? And as the person is talking, you are writing notes of how to counter every point. Do you know, silence is actually one of the strongest weapons you can use. Because when you don't fight for yourself, you make room for who? For God to fight. We are fighting too much. That's why relationships are degenerating. Marriages are degenerating. Friendships are degenerating. Because we have not learned the discipline of silence. It's a spiritual discipline. Respond only with the wisdom and the spirit of God. Never respond 
in the flesh. Never respond in the flesh. Number six. Verse 11 to 13. I won't read everything because of time. But 11 says, Then they secretly induced men to say some things. Verse 12. And they stirred up the people, the elders, the scribes. Verse 13. They also set up false witnesses. Number six. Don't expect goodness from men. Expect evil. I'm serious. You don't understand me. When you expect goodness and you don't get it, it breaks your heart. When you expect evil and you get goodness, you celebrate. Stephen was wondering, what have I done to these people? They stirred up the people against him. They induced men against him. They raised false witnesses. And yet, Stephen had done nothing wrong to them. Don't be keep expecting good things. This may sound like a difficult point, but it insulates your heart. I love my wife. She's a wonderful woman. But you know, If I raise the bar of expectation and she doesn't meet the bar, it breaks my heart, isn't it? But if I don't raise the bar, everything she does, I receive as a beautiful gift. In all your relationships, the more you expect, the more you get hurt. The more you expect, the more you get hurt. While human beings are human beings, they are designed to break your heart. I'm telling you, the default DNA of human beings, somebody tapping her husband and say, you see? <laughs> you see, I told you. Your DNA is like this. Once you know the DNA of man will disappoint you, you reduce what? The bar. You reduce the bar so that you can be happy with every gift you get. Are you with me? You celebrate everything you get. You don't keep complaining about what you don't get. I'm speaking to somebody in church this morning. You know, I was thinking I should bring one of those fiery messages about soul winning. And God says, no. Talk about handling the inevitable. This is not a church, um, a message. I should travel all the way from Nigeria to preach on a Sunday morning here. But that's the word of God for you. Reduce the bar. The pain you feel is because your bar has been raised. That's why you feel all the pain you feel. But when you reduce the bar, you can love your enemy. You know why? Because you don't expect good. So when Jesus says love your enemies, it's because Jesus is saying this is your enemy. Don't expect good. So, if your enemy was to do something good, you are shocked, right? 
Your spouse is not your enemy. Your friends are not your enemy. Brethren in church are not your enemy. But don't raise the bar of expectation. That way you can give love even if you don't get love back. Hallelujah. But when you give love, expecting, you see, that's the bar. You're expecting. You say good morning. You expect the person to say what? Now, when you don't expect him to say good morning, and you say good morning, and he just looks at you and... You know, you won't be hurt. Why? You never expected him to do what? To say good morning. So, you're okay. Oh, is this... Sounding too psychological. It is a spiritual reality. Number seven. And this is where I want to nail most of this. Verse 15. And all, so they seized Stephen, dragged him into the council, right? And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Point number seven. Don't let conflict steal your shine. Oh, you are not understanding me. Listen to me. In the middle of that council meeting, they were accusing him. They were spitting evil. They were, yet this man, his face was shining. Oh God, help us to shine in the midst of opposition. You see, you are only a normal human being. When People criticize you and they bring opposition and there's conflict. And then what happens? Your face drops. Your face becomes squeezed. You withdraw. You hide. You cry. The devil must not steal your shine. Listen to me, friends. The spiritual man says, I see the Lord. You know, you know, why was it this man's face could shine? You know, he says, I see the Lord. By the time he finished his message, they were more angry. He says, I see the heavens are opened. I can see what? The Son of Man. Standing. If you are seeing Jesus, if your heavens are opened, somebody, today your heavens must open. If your heavens are opened, your face will shine. It doesn't matter what the devil is saying. Listen, it doesn't matter what the devil is saying. And this is my conclusion. What's my conclusion, friends? The will of God for you is that despite everything happening around you that the light of God will fill your bosom and from within the light radiates to your face and the joy of the Lord that fills your heart 
becomes your strength. And what is the devil's tactics? Break your heart. Make you sorrowful. Surround you with problems. Fill you with agony. And so your face loses the shine. You walk around life a broken man. There's no strength. You walk around defeated. Struggling. Unable to withstand. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, having done everything, what should you do? Stand. Stand. Oh, stand. I have like 10 minutes. There are things I want to say, but I cannot say. Because I want us to spend time to pray. But my prayer for you is that your face will shine. Your face will shine. When I was in Dudley a few days ago, I was going for my daily walk. And I left my hotel walking around. I got lost. And, you know, I was wondering, who will I talk to? I saw this group of young boys, you know, drinking and all that. I said, no, I won't talk to these guys. I saw, then I saw a, a man, and I went up and I said, sorry, I'm staying in so-so-and-so hotel. What's the way? He said, oh, you're walking the opposite direction. It's the other way. I said, thank you. Can you escort me? And he started escorting me, and I noticed he was drunk. So, So I said to myself, maybe God brought me to meet this man to share the gospel. They're talking about Jesus. On the road as we're walking, he was a bit taken aback. As I talked about Jesus, he stopped and he said, I don't know you, but there's a light around me. He said, I feel a light. I feel something is happening around me. There's a light. I told him, that light is Jesus. God wants you to be a light. You cannot be a light if you are destroyed on the inside. You cannot give joy when you are broken. You cannot give life when you are dead. When the enemy has caged you into a corner, suffocating you, and the voices on the inside are telling you, you're a failure, you are useless, you're a problem, you can't make it, and bitterness seeps in. And everywhere you look, condemnation, judgment, you have nothing to give. But I love Stephen. In the midst of all the slander, the accusation, the false witnesses, this man still had light. Hallelujah. It's like a hard wall was built around him. Why are you help me sing a song? It's an old song. And you will join me. It says, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior. 
all the day long. Can you rise with me, friends? This is my story. Oh, this is my story. Praise my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my story. This is my story. This is my story. Lift your voice and say, Lord. Story, Lord, I will shine the will of God for you, praising your Savior all the day long. Conflict must not take away the praise all the day long. Say, Lord, open the heavens so I see you. Open my heaven so I can see you. I will not concentrate on the conflict around me. Perfect submission. Somebody sing with me. This is my story. Oh, this is my story. This is my song. I am praising my
church. Can you put up the next stanza on the screen? But listen to me. You are here today. Your heart is bleeding from relationships that have wounded you. Do you want to come to the altar and say, Lord, can you say, Lord, heal me? Conflict has bruised you so much. Tears have flown through your eyes. You have cried. You have cried. Men have spoken nasty words against you. And they are like wounds deep on your inside. God has sent me to tell you today, if you would see Jesus... If the heavens will remain opened over your head, you will shine despite the conflict. That is the message God has brought for you in the church today. Can you lift your voice and say, Lord, heal my heart. Fill my heart with the song of heaven. Fill my heart with the joys of God. If you are up on the platform or you are behind, come. And you are coming not to me, but you are coming to say, Jesus, this is my turnaround. This is my turnaround. You should be a solution to a broken world. But if you are broken, you have nothing for the world. You should be a solution to a a tired world. But if you are tired, you have nothing for the world. Can you pray as you come here, my friends, and say, Jesus, spot me out. Pick me out. This Sunday, I'm leaving all things behind. This Sunday, the voices of condemnation will no longer judge me. Somebody says, you are not beautiful. Somebody said, you are a failure. Somebody said you are good for nothing. People have accused you wrongly. Oh, they say you are not lovely. They say you are weak. They have lied. They have lied. But we have a blessed assurance. If Jesus is yours, you have a blessed assurance. Let's sing this together. Blessed Church, sing it as a prayer to the Lord. Hair of salvation. Purchased of God. Say to yourself, I am born of His Spirit. I am washed in His blood. Lift your hands and say to the Lord, This is my story. This is my story. Every other story is a lie. I will praise my Savior. Praise my Savior. 
my story. This is my story. This is my soul. Raising my Savior. The next stanza, please. Perfect submission. are descending. Hallelujah. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy do you believe it? do you believe it? lift your hand and shout this is my soul Just lift your voice and make that your prayer. Just say, yes, this is my story. Just say, yes, Lord. No matter the conflict, no matter the opposition, no matter the criticism, no matter what men say, no matter what men do, my story is to give him praise. My story is to have visions of God burst on my sight. My story is to shine my face will shine my heart will shine I will not give the enemy my tears I will not give the enemy my tears I will give Jesus praise thank you Father in Jesus name we pray Father, for this wonderful children of yours who are gathered at the altar, wipe every tear away. They have cried. Even now, some are still crying. But we believe you have come, Jesus, to wipe every tear away. Conflicts are inevitable. Conflicts must come. Some will come with good motivation. Some will come with evil motivation. But whether good or evil, conflict brings pain, hurt, and agony. Lord, teach us to keep our eyes on you. Please, Lord, open the heavens for us every day. When we are surrounded with conflict, 
teach us to lift up our eyes. Not to look at the people. Not to look at the problems. But to lift up our eyes first. And to see you. We shall not respond in the flesh. We shall not be carnal men and carnal women. Lift us above. Lift us above. Thank you for the word that you have brought to your church this cold Sunday morning. But we feel the warmth of God on the inside. May we leave the church with joy on the inside. With victory on the inside. And then may we take this joy and this victory to the world out there. They are in the cold. You have given us your warmth. I bless you, church, in the name of the Father. I bless you, church, in the name of the Son. And I bless you, church, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody give God praise? Thank you. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.